Hello and welcome back to Locked On Socks. I am your host, Herb Lawrence. Right now, we have another special guest on the line with us. You know him. He's editor of Socks Machine. You follow him on Twitter, SocksMash underscore P. Knowles. It is Patrick Nolan with us right now. Patrick, thank you for joining us here on Locked On Socks. Absolutely. Really glad to be on the podcast. I'm curious to know how you became a Chicago White Sox fan. Oh, I never had a choice. Uh, my mom grew up in Bridgeport, and she used to go to the games every single night. So uh, she, um, she she basically had the games on, you know, from when I was a small child. I would grow up listening to Hawk and Tom Pachoric and, you know, getting into all the numbers. and the bat- Back then it was just batting average and stuff, but I was super interested in all that and uh, watching Frank Thomas growing up. So uh, there, there was uh, – there was really no uh, choice that I had in the matter. It was just going to be uh, destined to be. Now, it seems like myself and you carry the same type of, I guess, attitude towards the White Sox coming <laughs> into this off season. How are you feeling coming into this year as opposed to other seasons uh, where Rick Hahn kind of failed in the off season? Well, I, I'm definitely very excited. I, I'm excited that the White Sox are putting a team on the field that isn't eliminated from day one. And we could talk a little bit about, you know, where they look like they stand in the AL Central. And I think that, you know, given that, given what 2020 was sold to us as initially, I think that we can be a little disappointed that we're still not really favorites in the division. But at the same time, the, the team has been improved quite a bit since the beginning of the winter. And I think that Rick Hahn deserves a lot of credit for that. I mean, he's made some significant moves, and uh, the team's really taken itself seriously, and I'll be excited to be out at the park to check this team out. This offseason has been fabulous for me, and I know probably everybody's favorite signing was the Yasmani Grandal thing. Is there one acquisition they've had this offseason that you say, you know what, I'll rival that with the Yasmani Grandal signing as my favorite? Um, I, I don't think it's even close in my mind. I mean, the Yasmani Grandal move, you're talking about getting arguably like a top 20, 25 player in the entire sport. And it's a move of a magnitude that they have not made in my memory. Um, it's I've, I've made an argument that it's potentially the best move they've made this entire decade, um, probably between that and the Jose Abreu signing. And I think that with all due respect to what they've done the rest of the offseason, because guys like Edwin Encarnacion and Dallas Keuchel are certainly substantial upgrades, nothing holds a candle to Yasmani Grandal. He, he's the star that they needed, and uh, kudos to Honda getting him. The lineup. There's no traditional, and I'll put those in quotes, leadoff guy on this team currently. Is there a person that you think could start the game off as the guy who bats first? Um, you know, I think that they'll probably take a look at Luis Robert, maybe Nick Madrigal later in the season. Um, to, to kick it off, I think that there's probably going to be a look at a guy like Tim Anderson, who got on base quite a bit last year. Um, I don't think that's quite a great fit over the course of the season because I think Tim Anderson can hit 300. I don't think he can hit 330. So without the walks, uh, that becomes kind of an on-base percentage problem. Um, honestly, in the short term, until some other situ- solution works itself out, it's not a bad place to, to work in Yohan Moncada. Um, I, you know, he gets on base a good amount, and you know he has quite a bit of power, and ideally there'd be guys on base for him to drive in. But um, just getting him the most played appearances seems to ha- make a good deal of sense as well. You don't think that batting him up there changes the type of player and hitter that he is? 
And you know, it might, because I think that it's easy for us to say, oh, you know, you move guys around in the order and, you know, why shouldn't it be any different uh, just changing what time they go to the plate, essentially. But um, there is this idea that a leadoff hitter has to start seeing some pitches. And a lot of Mankata's success last season was predicated around him seeing fewer pitches and attacking earlier in the count. So I would say that as long as he can stay stick with the approach he had last season, then he'd be a good choice for it. But if not him, you're going to have to roll the dice on somebody who's either OBP is not that great, is not or is not proven, or is somewhat unconventional. Like, what, what would you say to like Yasmani Grandal leading off? I think that it would be kind of a really out out of the box decision, but a guy with that OBP could certainly you know fit at the front of the lineup. I thought the same thing with uh, Yasmani when Dave Williams brought that up as a option for that. I never really gave it any thought before that because I'm you know three four five hitter. He's a guy that's probably going to drive the ball in. But I'm also wondering, too, like if Nick Madrigal plays well in spring training, I know you don't want to have the rookie have all this pressure on him of firstly leading his career off and then also being the leadoff guy. What do you think about Nick breaking camp with the team if he does win that second base job? I would love it. I mean, it would show a commitment to winning this season. And I know that there's been some talk of him maybe not even coming up after like the 14 days or whatever, it sounds like they're at least considering keeping him down for a couple of months and just, you know, getting him more exposure at AAA, seeing if he can work on driving the ball a little bit better before coming up. But I mean, he is the best second baseman in the organization right now. Um, with all due respect to Danny Mendick, who did show a little bit of something last September. I mean, the team would be at its best if Nick Madrigal was out there every day. And I would fully support that if he was doing that from day one. And speaking of another guy that's going to probably start his career or this season off in the minors, I'm not too sure that I would want Michael Kopech, if he is healthy, to start his year off in the minors. I don't know what your thoughts on this. I know he's going to have a pitch limit, an innings limit this year, so might as well get those bullets out in the major leagues. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think so. Uh, in, in some sense, the White Sox have kind of crowded the rotation to the point where it might be challenging to make that work. Um, so they have you know, Giolito, then the two guys they brought in, Keiko and Gonzalez, and then you got Reynaldo Lopez and Dylan Cease, which who are two guys who have been essentially rumored since day one to be destined for the bullpen, but at the same time, neither guy has really done anything to lose a spot in the starting rotation. So if you have Michael, if you if you think about Michael Kopech getting into the starting rotation, you might have to ask yourself in spring training which one of those two guys might be in for a role change. And I was also thinking like maybe having a like platoon. It's different in MLB. You haven't had this where you have Michael Kopech on an innings limit, pitch him seventy five pitches to start the game, and then you bring in. Ronaldo Lopez to finish it off. I don't know if you're down with that type of thinking. Yeah, I actually think that that idea has quite a bit of merit to it. Um, we saw with Lopez last year, there were a lot of times where Rick Renteria left him in a little bit too long and he got blasted in the fifth and sixth inning. But if Kopech was treated almost like an opener who could go in and you know throw maybe the first three, maybe four innings, I know that that might be stretching um, how much an opener is usually tasked with doing. But if you know if he was him for the first three or four, and then Lopez for the next three or four, um, that would probably help save the bullpen around that area of the rotation, and uh, it could help maximize both guys, especially as Kopech uh, works to build himself up to full strength. And I know you spoke about it earlier, and this year was supposed to be the 100% contending year. I'm thinking the White Sox right now, after the Donaldson signing and the, with the Twins, are probably two, three 
in the AL Central. What are your expectations for this year? And if they do come up short, what are you going to be feeling if if the White Sox are in third place again in 2020? Well, it's it's where they're currently projected to finish. I mean, the Indians, with the exception of Corey Kluber, hung on to uh, you know all their guys, particularly Francisco Lindor. Uh, I think that there was a lot of trade rumors swirling about him, but as long as he's still in Cleveland, uh, they're probably a leg up on the White Sox. And then the Twins with Donaldson, uh, as much as I hate to say it, that was a big difference maker. Um, he actually projects as the best player on the Twins, which uh, which I thought was pretty interesting. But the White Sox are probably, um, if I had to guess in the projections, a lot of them haven't come out yet, but I imagine we'll probably see them sitting around six or so games behind the Twins. And when you're six-game underdogs in the projections, a lot needs to go your way to really uh, to, to make that jump and get to the top of the division. Luckily, they have the upside to potentially do it. And I'm thinking also, I'm seeing all the good trade rumors around. Nolan Arenado very unhappy with the Colorado Rockies ownership right now. Is there any scenario where you think the White Sox would entertain a Nolan Arenado trade? And yourself, your thoughts on acquiring Nolan Arenado's skill set and the money that comes along with it. Yeah, I think uh, with regards to Arenado, I think you're going to have a hard time getting him without punching a hole in your current major league roster. And if you're able to cover that up with money somehow, then I guess that becomes fine. Uh, But it seems like putting a lot of eggs in the 2020-2021 basket, I don't think Nolan Arenado would make the White Sox the favorite in the division this year. And they, they would obviously get a lot closer, and you, you know you start to look a little more competitive. But at the same time, I think that if you give the prospects like you know Robert and Eloy Menez and uh, Nick Madrigal a little more time to develop this season, as well as the young guys on the rotation, you could wind up in a situation where 2021 looks like the time to make a big move like that, where you really could get multiple seasons as the division favorite out of a big move. So it's not that I don't like the target. It's that the timing does feel a little bit off to make that trade. If you're going to spend that much money, it would be better served if you spend it on George Springer or Mookie Betts, or you just feel like the next year will be the year to strike for the White Sox in general. Yeah, I'd say a little bit of both. I mean, Springer and Betts would be a great plan for next offseason, and hopefully uh, Rick Hahn, Jerry Reinsdorf, Kenny Williams are already looking at doing something like that um, in the event that Nomar Mazzara doesn't have a – you know, a complete revelation of a breakout this season. Um, But yeah, I think that, you know, if this is next off season and, you know, Robert had already broken out, looks like maybe like a four win guy. Jimenez had a full season doing what he did in September and and Madrigal established himself. And maybe one of the two guys in the rotation looks like a potential number two, number three starter. All of a sudden, if a player like Arenado was on the trade market next winter, that would look like more of a finishing move and something that uh, you know, you'd really be able to cash in on. Whereas if you were to trade for him now, it, there's a very real possibility that the first of those two seasons, you'd be an underdog to make the playoffs. And then that would raise the question of you know, why you would give up what you would need to to get him. I know I'm a big-time uh, detractor of what Ricky Renteria does, especially with the bunts. I don't know if this is a make-or-break year for Ricky as far as Rick Hahn or Kenny Williams is concerned, but for me, it definitely is. You have now some of the bullets necessary to get the job done, and we can see what type of manager, and I put those in quotes too because I am not a manager guy, especially on game day. Is this a Ricky Renteria year that he has to show what type of manager he is, or do you think they just don't care really like myself as far as managers go from day to day? 
Yeah, I mean, if I was running the team, I would say it certainly is because this is the first time that uh, Renteria is going to be handed essentially a complete roster. He's going to be handed a roster that has expectations to win. And, you know, frankly, some of the stuff that we've seen from him as far as in-game decision-making is concerned has, has been a little worrisome the last three years. So if we see a team stumble and fall well short of the, you know, mid to low 80 win projection that I think I would slap on him at the moment, I think that he probably would catch a little bit of blame for that. And you start to want to see if somebody else could uh, get the job done better for 2021. What's a fair expectation for Luis Robert in his rookie year? I think that uh, it would be, I think it's fair to expect him to play good defense in center field. I think that's going to be very important, um, especially given that we might see him have some of the similar struggles that Aloy Jimenez had early in last season. Um, Despite the great numbers at AAA, Robert has something of an issue with chasing breaking balls out of the zone. Um, It's something that he could correct and all of a sudden just break out and hit the ground running. But I think that it's reasonable to expect that he might scuffle a little bit out of the gate. And then hopefully by the end of the season, you start to see a guy who's caught on to how things work and get a, has a better sense of how pitchers attack him. Uh, I'd say that if he, if he comes into this next, this season, somewhere between like a two and three win guy, I'd say he has met, but has not exceeded expectations. I'm still kind of miffed at the bullpen. I mean, they picked up Steve Ciszek and volatility in bullpens from year to year is, you know, it's, it's expected. So the one guy I really worry about is Alex Colomay. It's a guy that's going to be closing out games for the most part for the White Sox. Are your feelings on the bullpen feeling a little bit better than they were at the end of last year because they picked up Steve Ciszek, maybe Jace Fry with a bounce back this year, or are you still worried a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I'd say it's worrisome. I'd say that coming into last season, we had an expectation that they might have the best bullpen in the division. And then, um, you know, a bunch of the guys, in the, uh, granted, Aaron Bummer broke out to really uh, cover for a guy like Jay Spry falling apart. But uh, the bullpen really had a lot more issues than we thought it would. Uh, Kelvin Herrera fell apart. And Alex Colome, you know, he was a guy who got by on, you know, hitters hitting the ball right at people, essentially. And I don't think you can count on that happening again this year. Um I, it's a little uneasy. Colome is definitely a below-average closer, um, but they do have a couple of decent setup men in Ciszek and Bummer. And, you know, some of these younger guys, you might see somebody like Tyler Johnson come up and, and start performing well, and Ian Hamilton could come back from off the radar to provide help. So um, there are paths for this bullpen being good, but it's going to require quite a bit to go right. One thing I think the bullpen will be helped by was the new acquisitions we have mentioned in Dallas Keuchel and Giovanni Gonzalez, giving them more innings on the front end so the back end is not overtaxed. Your thoughts on, firstly, Dallas Keuchel. A lot of people have poo-pooed that move as far as being a top-of-the-rotation guy. Maybe he's not the Cy Young guy anymore, but as far as giving you innings and a fresh arm from last year not pitching that much, I think it's an ideal signing for the White Sox. Yeah, you know, so there's there's a couple ways to look at it. I mean, the first one would be the White Sox obviously had their sights on Zach Wheeler, so Keuchel does in some sense feel like a fallback option. And you know, by, for, for my money, he's probably the fifth or sixth best starting pitcher in what was actually a pretty reasonably good starting pitching market. Um, so after missing out on those guys, they put themselves in a situation where uh, they had to get either him or Ryu, and in getting Keuchel, I think that they're getting a, a sense of stability and a guy who can – you know, look to provide you with 200 innings. And uh, like you mentioned, 
the, if you have a guy who's able to save the bullpen, that helps Rick Renteria. Uh, let's let guys settle into roles a lot more easily. Um, it kind of just make, makes it so that he's not scrambling to find some sort of healthy arm to throw in a situation where um, you know it's, it's higher leverage than what you would want when you're digging into your fifth or sixth bullpen arm. So, yeah, I mean, he, he is definitely a, a good fit. I like the fact that he stays healthy quite a bit. Uh, the ground ball approach should play well at the cells, so um, definitely a big upgrade. And uh, we talked a little bit about Michael Kopech coming back from injury. I wonder what's going to happen when Carlos Rodon, if he does come back late July, early August, from his Tommy John surgery, are we going to be forcing him into the starting rotation? Or I like the idea of having him as a high-leverage guy like Josh Hader, like Andrew Miller, coming in with just fastball slider and knocking guys out uh, late in the game when Ricky really needs it. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting point. I mean, he could certainly slide into a bullpen role. I mean, a lot of times uh, Rodon starts to look like a two-pitch pitcher, and you could definitely see that approach play well in short bursts out of the pen. Um, the other thing that's, uh, that's kind of interesting is with, you know, with Gio Gonzalez, he has kind of a little bit of an experience being a swingman late in the season when uh, you know, he gets crowded out by better options. So uh, having Gonzalez uh, move into a long-man role if, if, if need be or – if uh, one of Rodon, or sorry, if one of uh, Lopez, Cease, or Kopech uh, turns out to maybe be a better fit for the bullpen by late in the year, that's a lever they could pull. So um, th- there's definitely options. I think that he's definitely, um, you know, assuming the recovery goes well, he'll definitely be a nice midseason boost for the team. And uh, from uh, this point, just uh, having that in the bag is great, and we'll let the roles sort themselves out as we go. And the last thing I got from you is we're bringing up two of our big prospects this year. And to me, the cupboard looks a little bit bare as far as prospects going on the pipeline. I know that uh, Vaughn's still back there, but what about Jake Berger? What about the guys we've been hearing for years that have had some injury troubles, Mike Rodolfo, all those guys? Any uh, progress, any reports on those guys? Uh, you know, nothing really that I've uh, that I've heard a great deal about. Um, you know, over the offseason, it seems like it's been pretty quiet. Um, but certainly you're right that, you know, once you get past Andrew Vaughn, you're really looking at a sea of guys who, um, whose stock has fallen. And I think that the White Sox are going to need players like Berger and Adolfo to step up uh, in order to become trade ships uh, to get major league pieces. I think what you're looking at on the major league roster is that they've, they've filled pretty much every position, um, you know, with the exception of maybe designated hitter, because uh, with Vaughn coming up, he'll be able to fill that in. But uh, there's really not a lot of space for starting goals in the big league roster, and I think that uh, the White Sox are going to need that trade currency uh, moving forward as they try to maybe put the finishing touches on this thing. All right, Patrick, I appreciate you coming on with us. Tell the folks where they can find your work and uh, also on Twitter. Uh, you can find my work at SoxMachine.com. I'll be writing team previews throughout the 2020 season as well as um, scattered analysis pieces. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at SoxMock underscore penals. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us, and thank you for listening, guys out there. We're going to be out at SoxFest. It's the postgame of SoxFest. The 108 Sox Machine people have got together. I'm going to be on a panel, uh, the 10 p.m. panel with the 108, so come on out to Reggie's. I think there's still some tickets available. We'll have a nice time, drink a beer or two together, and I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, Locked on Sox with Herb Lawrence here 